All right, welcome back to our episode of Ranked Up Podcast. Um, I am Manali, as usual, your host. Um, and today I'm super, super excited. We have a really awesome guest. We have Maya Brooks, founder, CEO of Privy Photos, and a host of other things. What can't she do? Um, so, a little bit of a background on Maya. Maya is an award-winning product manager, educator, speaker, and entrepreneur in New York City. She spent the bulk of her career at the intersection of fintech and edtech, really uh, leveraging her product, technical, and operating expertise. And also, currently, Maya is an MBA candidate at Harvard Business School and is building Privy, a blockchain-enabled secure messaging app. Okay, love it, love it, love it. How are you, Maya? Hey, girl. Hey, it's really good to uh, to be on the pod, Manali. Thank you for having I, me. <laughs> I was like hoping so much that you would say yes when I texted you. I was like, please let me say yes to this. So no. I was really excited. Um, okay, great. So I guess to kick us off, I'd really just love to learn about a little bit about you, right? Like, what is your background? Who are you? Is there anything that you want to share? And and the reason I'm I'm asking is because this this episode is very specifically on you know being a leader in Web three and trying to break into tech as a as someone who identifies as Black, Indigenous, or woman of color, and um, really trying to see like you know there are some really big um, gaps uh, in these specific areas in tech and Web three. Um, and also with everything that you're doing, you know, really trying to emerge as a leader and really be like a really great guiding light to other women who want to do the same. So I'll, I'll hand it off to you, but tell me all about you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Big ask. So tell me, <laughs> tell me all about you. Who am I? I don't even yes. know. Um, <laughs> gosh, I feel honestly like uh, I have been through many career pivots and many kind of like different career journeys. Most recently, I've been describing myself as a finance analyst turned web developer, turned product manager, turned founder. Right. Which <laughs> can decide if like either that makes me extremely indecisive or extremely strategic. I, I, I'd go with extremely strategic, strategic. if you were asking me. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping for. But I, I think um, how I would best describe myself career-wise is like a person who loves to build and who loves to innovate. I'm just one of those people who really, really likes to get in the weeds of building an early product and putting it out there. I think all of my early career journeys and steps have really been uh, kind of giving me the tools and, and tool belt to be able to build effectively and yeah. push things out into the market. And that's a, a product, a process that I love. Um, I think, you know, the background that I had in finance, I spent about four years at JP Morgan in the beginning of my career. And it was an amazing place to start a career. Um, and it gave me so many foundational tools to really understanding like how business is done, understanding um, you know, financial payment rails and technologies and products and kind of how to really evaluate risk and evaluate opportunities. Um, and those were skills that I feel like really paid off throughout the rest of my career. Um, I think on a more personal note, like, who am I? Yeah. <laughs> um, more personal note, who am I? I am, 
I am truly a New Yorker at heart. I've been in New York for 10 years, but underneath that, like I'm a Midwestern girl. Yeah, okay. I'm a Midwestern girl. I was born in the corn. Um, <laughs> I have never heard anyone say that. <laughs> yeah, surrounded by cornfields um, and lots of long winding roads and plains and, and that kind of thing. And um, I think that uh, having a perspective kind of of like, both of those worlds, and especially right. as a black person in both right. of those worlds, uh, because let's not, you know, get it twisted. There are not very many black people in the Midwest. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so often I was like the only, and I think that that's probably a familiar story for for you, Manali, and a lot of your listeners. I'm sure, um, kind of being the the like one or very few in a community of people who didn't look like you, um, didn't have like kind of the same cultural values or cultural backgrounds, or even you know understanding from parents and kind of like the. Yeah the unique journey and kind of pressure that's put on kids of color in those scenarios. Um, and I think also that kind of like made me who I am in terms of a person that is extremely uh, adaptable. Yeah. Um, but also just like very, very well rounded in terms of the like amounts of experiences that I've had and the way yeah. that I navigate the the world. So yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, you made a really good point is that when you're one in a few, I feel like, and I know for you, yes, but for me as well, um, that really gives you the tools and the knowledge to really kind of say like, okay, how can I essentially pave my own path to where I need to be? Because, you know, growing up, yes, I very much South Asian and like grew up in like Michigan, like the whitest. <laughs> Like, which is like not bad. It's not bad, but I just I never really grew up with like a lot of people that look like me, as well as in like Houston or whatever. So, um, I can totally agree. So, in in terms of that, how would you say maybe to like anyone who's who's currently listening, who's in that same situation, who's like, okay, how do I pave my own path? How do I make my own road here? And how do I envision my own future? when I'm not able to um, just like be around people that like have the same um, maybe shared experiences as, as I do? Is there anything that you've done in the past or anything that like you've, that's really helped you as you've kind of like gone along this journey? Yeah, I think in terms of um, tools to kind of like navigate those scenarios, um, you know, now I'm fortunate enough, like in my life to be surrounded by a really diverse group of people. Yeah. And I am so grateful for that. So I, I really don't have to don't have to struggle in that arena as much anymore. Um, but in terms of uh, navigating those scenarios and kind of like being the only version of anything kind of in your, your social group or, or in your geographic location, the thing that I think was the most important and, and my mother like instilled this in us when we were younger, um, she kind of knew that like raising, I have, I have two sisters, so like raising girls, black girls in an all like white suburb was gonna right. do it in our self-esteem. And right. she, she knew that like very early on. And so she tried to combat that um, very early by like telling us all of the time, like you need to believe in yourself, you're capable, you are smart, nobody else is smarter than you, better, right. et cetera. Um, and that type of like, drilling into a kid's head like every day gives kind of like this armor that you can yeah. wear when you're going into situations where you feel 
automatically like somehow you're not good enough or don't deserve to be in that room. Um, and so there's definitely like a little bit of coat of armor that you put on. Yeah. And so my advice to anybody would be like, go get some coats of armor yeah. on and like continue to continue to move through your life. Um, and then when you're able to like get out of that situation and be in a more um, diverse and understanding group, I really recommend doing it. Yeah. Right now, my my circle of friends is a very comfortable place to be. The city I live in is a very comfortable place to be. I realize that's not a, a an opportunity everybody has, but if you get the opportunity, take it. Yeah. And do that. Yeah. Love it. I. I really love that your mom really made that effort into creating that coat of armor for you and your sisters. Um, you know, that's, that is extremely important. So that's really great to hear. Um, so, okay. So in terms of, we've already talked about your background. So tell me a little bit more about all the different facets of your career. So from what I know about you, which is probably yeah. extremely scratching the surface because you are so fucking talented. Um, I know that, you know, we obviously crossed paths at um, our, our previous company where you were a, a product manager there. And yeah. then I know that you have a little like side kind of Instagram slash, you know, business going on with, I think it's called Coffee Encoded, right? Correct. Yeah. So tell me more about what inspires you to just like get up and do all these different things because you're so active on that instagram as well and you, and i maybe and i swear i'm not talking you but i know you like teach sure. at like ga or you like general assembly or something like that yeah like oh. how how do you do all of this Tell oh us. my gosh so again you know on the theme of like is this incredibly strategic or like <laughs> and cannot make up my mind um I, I like I would say like let's take a linear let's take a linear journey and I'm gonna try to be as honest as possible yeah please uh, process and decision making yeah each of these things so in like 2015 I graduated college and I went to college in 2011 right around the time that like the the effects of the financial crisis were like the worst that they that they had been mm -hmm. um you know when the financial crisis hit in 2008 um i think it took about like a year for people to like feel like heavy heavy effects so like yeah. 2009 was like about the time that like everything really started to go like to hell in a handbasket right. um you know my parents lost both of their jobs we had several long periods of unemployment like in the family so when i went to college it was very understood that like you will have a job that yeah. that you know pays bills and not a job that like you know is like in art or yeah. <laughs> i was telling my partner the other day i wanted to be a philosophy major at one point and <laughs> my parents were definitely like definitely not like, <laughs> um and we had watched you know other people graduate out of top universities and basically, you know, be stuck, um, you know, being a barista for like hours right. and hours on end and not able to get like a full-time job. And that was something that was, you know, incredibly prescient, like in, right. in the experience. So when I was graduating college, it was very clear that like there are two paths and they are like consulting or finance, like right. pick one. Right. Um, and so I picked finance, and, <laughs> you know, I like money. So yeah. I was like, okay, like, of course. Money. Money's great. Yeah. I, I desire never to be poor and jobless again mm -hmm. and like struggling to, you know, 
like struggling to to just afford basic things. Yeah. Um, and so that was something I, I really wanted to like hedge against. So my career journey at JP Morgan really like started there. I realized pretty quickly, like I do not want to do my boss's job. I mm -hmm. love my boss. I had a great team, but I was like, I don't want this job. <laughs> like, <laughs> so after, you know, putting in the work for a couple of years, I was like, how can I maneuver into technology? Right. And I was really, really trying to like shift my career in that direction. Didn't have any technical skills. Right. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get some. Right. <laughs> yes. To, so I'm going to go get some. I went to General Assembly um, and I did about like a year's worth of coding bootcamp classes. I did front end okay. and JavaScript development and all that sort of stuff. And during that time, I was learning so much. I actually got the idea for my first business, which I was going to start with my college roommate like at the time. Um, and so I think like entrepreneurship has always been there in the back of my head. Yeah. Uh, but that first business, like I learned a lot trying to get it off the ground. Nothing ever really happened. Yeah. Um, but I was still super proud that I went through the journey of trying to of do course. all of the business iteration, like putting together UX mockups, doing yeah. interviews with customers. Like, and that's hard. That's time consuming. That stuff yeah. is hard. And I think it is extremely important to like try yeah. to follow those steps because it set a path for me in terms of like the other businesses that I formed later on. Like it really set a path for how to start a business correctly and how to like really follow um you know some of the best success plans out there so i did that that business never took off um but by april of like 2018 i was like i gotta go like i can't yeah. take another day here i was actually starting to get really like depressed and super um disconnected yeah really like sad just about the state of my life. I felt like I wasn't being, when you're not in alignment, yeah. your purpose, you feel it so strongly and it really does like destroy. Oh and, yeah. Yeah, you know. I, like, I totally agree, yep. Yeah, so I realized like, you know, and I was in therapy like pretty heavily at the time, was like, I gotta quit this yeah. job today because I'm, I'm just like feeling like I'm having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. Um, so I quit. I had no backup, no safety net, no like love it. Yeah, <laughs> and really, I had saved about three months of income. Okay. Yeah. So let me tell anybody who's listening: three months is not enough. <laughs> who know who gave that recommendation? Of, right. Like, I always have like three months of income, and that'll be enough. Like three months was like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in like New York City, I feel like you need a year to not feel stressed <laughs> out every day. Yeah. You need at least six months. Yeah. I thought three months was enough. Definitely not enough. <laughs> So I had that three months. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, start this business and teach women how to code because I'm actually a pretty good teacher. And I had kind of found out, you know, through General Assembly, through being in that class, um, they had asked me to teach like an intro to coding class right. and a programming class for them and kind of threw me like in the deep end. Right. Like literally I was TAing a class and one day the instructor didn't show up and they were like, um, the instructor's not here, but like, do you want to teach? And I was like, what do you mean, do I want to teach? I don't know how to teach this class. Yeah, trial by fire, trial by fire, yeah. Totally trial by fire. And I was in the period of time where I was saying yes to everything. Oh like God, I was yes. having a yes year, yeah. Love that. I was having a year of yes, and I was like, I'm just gonna say yes to everything. Yeah. It's the worst that can happen. So I jumped in, 
and I taught it and it went swimmingly well. So I have been teaching at General Assembly ever since. It's now been like, I guess, let's see, four or five years, four or five years, which is pretty cool. Love that. Um, so yeah, okay, so that led to Coffee Encoded, which became kind of like the business that I that I started really like a, a community and an educational um, experience to teach women how to code. We focused really specifically on doing hands-on learning. So right. nothing like too esoteric and like up in the clouds. It was all like, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna like actually code some stuff. We're gonna right. make stuff, we're gonna feel good about it and it's gonna be non-intimidating, which is why I kind of had the coffee right. there. I would always have like snacks and beverages or wine. Wow. Yeah, or like coffee so people could just sit around and kind of like chat yeah. while doing this building so we did a ton of stuff um with that brand I'm, I'm really proud of it i think during that time i had also kind of become aware like all right i, I am gonna need a job yeah <laughs> need a job that pays me money because i wasn't <laughs> making any money through coffee encoded even though it was extremely successful from like a customer standpoint yeah there were no there there was no money right um, and part of that is my fault because I don't think I felt confident enough at that point to ask for what I was worth. Right. Um, or to ask even to be like paid for the work that I was doing. Um, it's really interesting. Like it will take a brief detour. Here. Yeah, please, please. Yeah. Like, I think it's really interesting the parts in your career where you feel like I know what I'm doing and therefore I can ask for what I'm, yeah. you know, what I deserve to make. And I think women don't ask for that enough, especially women of color don't ask for that enough. And I definitely was in that camp where, yeah. you know, I thought I was like intelligent and I felt like I was doing a good job and, you know, knew that the programming was great. But in terms of approaching like an entity and saying, um, yes, I'll definitely come teach there, but I need to be paid, you know, 5K as yeah. like, honorarium or I need to be paid yeah. you know, like 10k or whatever I was like can I have like 250 dollars <laughs> wait okay yes I one I full-heartedly agree with that I also uh, a couple years ago I had a side hustle where I was holding workshops for women of color to like just come together in a smaller group setting and like network and talk about our careers because that's hard for a lot of you know people to do in a large large like 300 person networking event so i was like okay let me build and we had some great events and i also was like i feel like i should charge even if it's like ten dollars like i'm putting in so much work for these things and i was so scared to charge because i was like Yep. Am I even worth that much? Ten dollars a ticket? Like, yes. Yeah. So I feel you so hard. I I literally had an existential crisis internally during my second event because I was like, oh my god, I just spent so much money and time doing this. Like, should I talk? To right. <laughs> yeah. Like out of your personal funds. Yeah, out of my personal funds, out of my savings, I spent, and yeah, and. I would say that is also my biggest regret is not knowing my worth earlier on. Yeah, one hundred percent. Lessons learned early yes. on. Know your worth, folks. Know yes. Worth and charge up. Char and you know what? The worst they can say is no, and they're no. still gonna come as a free member anyway. So fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it out there. <laughs> exactly. You know, like that's a that's a lesson I I think I would love to take more from two groups of people, white men. Yes. And ask for what they're worth all the time. And 
are aggressive about it. And I actually got this advice from like a mentor the other day where he was like, you're not being aggressive enough. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I don't know what you mean. Like, I feel like I'm being firm, you know, yeah. I was negotiating something and I was like, I feel like I'm being firm. I feel like I'm saying, you know, like, like I'm holding their feet to the fire. He was like, you're not being aggressive enough. You need to be willing to like, he said, you need to like basically put your dick on the table and, <laughs> the walk and I was like, this is such like a, you know, not that I haven't heard that before. Right. I have heard that advice, um, but hearing the advice and putting it into practice are two very different things. Yes. And I think that that's something that like has been a challenge that I'm going to continue to work on. Yeah. Um, the other group that I think is really great at doing this are people in the sex work and stripping industry. Oh, yeah. Whenever I hear people talk about like, yeah, no, it's, it costs this much. And yeah. pay it or not pay it. And I'm yeah. like, no, oh, that's so bold. I, <laughs> I could do that. I really wish that I like had that amount of confidence. And I really need to take a note out of this playbook, which yeah. is, this is the price. Do you want to pay? You're going to pay the price. Or exactly. The, the, like service isn't getting done. Exactly. And you know what? That's what like. So sex work is work, work. like and so 100 percent, they should boldly charge why they, am i out here doing stuff ex doesn't make sense. <laughs> exactly yeah. oh my gosh you're right and you know what on on that topic i saw on linkedin recently a woman put in her um like linkedin profile she put sex work as an actual job and i was like that is so amazing like I don't know. I forgot her name, but we'll props, find her. Props, props. Yeah. Like I, I saw that post and I was like, oh my God, this is yes. 100% people need to start doing this more. So yeah. Yeah. So take those lessons. Yeah. <laughs> take, take those lessons. Um, and that's something I'm definitely still working on. So, so I went broke out of that business. Right. Um, I spent basically my entire 401k on right. business. Um, and I don't regret it because it was a lesson learned. Yeah. But wow, what an expensive lesson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very expensive, expensive lesson. Um, and so when I was ready to kind of transition once again, I was like, okay, what are the skills that I have and what are the things that I love doing? And right. by that time, you know, I had the web development skills, I had business mind and, and skills and kind of like financial skills. And I was like, okay, um, how will I put together the next step for me and I met someone who was a product manager, an early product manager at Venmo, like higher number 12, like very right. and this is when Venmo was like not a thing. Right. Not a household name, not like a none of that. Like right. when I met this person, I was like, I work at JP Morgan and you work at Venmo. I know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> really really funny and i think about that moment all the time because I, I probably could have worked there but like i just i did not know that it was right on the thing that it that it's become now um and so i think about that all the time and wow what a hilarious i know <laughs> time. um so i met this person they were product manager and they were like i think you'd be a, a pretty good product manager and i was like well i don't really know what product management is right, right. no one at that time in schools was teaching like tech skills like right. you weren't if you were not a cs major you didn't get exposed to any tech jobs right like there were no product management courses there were no like you know, it was super obscure as a field right. so i was kind of like i don't really know what that is and like do you need to be technical to do it and like 
How do you even get hired as a first time PM? Um, and there were a lot of programs, but they were mostly like for people coming straight out of undergrad or still right. undergrad. Like Google had their APM program, Twitter had the, their APM program, which is associate product manager. Right. Um, and I think a couple other firms, but you had to be like just graduating and I wasn't just graduating. So they right. like go somewhere else, and have too much experience already. Um, so I was like, darn, how can I get this experience? And this is like another lesson that I feel like is really important, which is when you don't have experience, create your own. Yep. And I talk 100%. about this all the time. Yeah, a hundred percent. Create your own experience. So if you can't get a formal job doing whatever it is that you're trying to do, just take on the job and go do it for someone who will like either yep. hire you um, or let you kind of like participate in a portfolio build for the thing that they're doing. So I recognize like I'm, I need to be a PM. I think I would be a great PM. I'm good you know, at these things. You can make money doing it. And I think it'd be exciting. So I took my little you know, like skills and stuff and I started searching for a bunch of startups on AngelList who needed help. Not people that had formal PM roles because I wasn't right. getting any of those because I didn't have any real experience. Right. But I literally was just emailing, like cold emailing CEOs like, hey, like, I have this skill set. Like, do you need any extra help? I would really like to be a PM. Like, can I put together some user stories for you? Can I put together wow. some mock-ups for you, et cetera? I had friends that were like um, entrepreneurs or they were gonna be new founders and stuff. Right. And building like, you know, a friend of mine was building a travel app at the time for like group travel. And we just spent the summer kind of like iterating on this idea. And I was like, okay, like, how about I help you? And and I, I didn't want to be a co-founder or anything. Like right. Not really jazzed about this idea long term so right. i think that i should be your co-founder but you know i'll definitely go to meetings with you and you know put together uh you know like some ux mock-ups and stuff right earned like figma and like um envision and all of that sort of stuff to put mock flows together right do customer interviews and put stories together and like that whole thing um, and it was a really, really valuable experience. It was so, so valuable because by the time that I was ready to interview and that I met um, uh, our ex uh, CEO and, and boss at, at the job, Manali and I used to work at at iPhone Women. Um, by the time I met her, I was like ready to really right. take a PM role. And I think she saw that in me and was like, yeah, I'll give you a yeah. shot. You know, like, let's try, let's try it out. You seem intelligent and I need help. So let's do it. <laughs> Um, and wow. that was, uh, was kind of how I became a formal PM. That, first of all, can we take a second to just applaud like the proactiveness? I feel like that is something, you know, what most people don't see is the work that that it takes to even get to like transition into a new role, transition to like, there's a lot of people that I know that are trying to transition into the tech industry right now. And I think what you just said proves so valuable because a lot of people that I've spoken to, they're just cold applying on like LinkedIn and they're like, well, I'm not getting it kind of thing. That's but like, what? Yes. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, it takes work, work and like, that's okay. You know, like it doesn't have to be, oh, it just fell in my lap. So it's meant to be. Sometimes you just have to fucking go for it and like really, yeah. So I love that story. Um, that was super, super valuable. Yeah, I would say like for anyone who's trying to break into tech, 
and like you're looking for an avenue in, um, A, PM is a great place to start. Yeah. So like non-technical roles in a technical company are a great place to start. I've seen a lot of people transition from like a customer service role um, or a sales role into like a more technical role, like a product manager or something like that. I've seen people transition from project management into product. So it's more important that like you, if you see a company that you like and you like what they're doing, just get in the company doing something and it'll be much easier for you to transition in like six months or so to another role than it will be to kind of like shoot for, shoot for the exact like title that you're looking for. Right. Outside of that, um, where you should be applying and like how you should get a job. I, and I, I, and I think almost every person that I know, um, I'm 29 now, Mm -hmm. 20, like six or 27, 26, maybe when I got that role, everyone I knew kind of in their mid twenties who was getting new roles, got them through personal connections. Right. It's not about like, you know, you need to like go out of your way networking. That's not what I mean. Or like be fake about networking. Um, but I would say that like meeting people in person is the best way to get a job in the place you want to be in and putting it out there. Exactly what you want to do is a great way to get the job that you want to be in. So I set my intention very early of like, I'm going to be a product manager. Yeah. And I meant that like, I was like, I'm a product manager and someone is going to hire me. (laughs) Um, and I focused during the, the search period of that being in spaces where other product managers were. Right. I went to meetups, like literally old fashioned, like meetup.com. It's still an active site. I know. (laughs) All the time. Um, And there were amazing, amazing product meetups in the New York scene. And I would go every, like, I think this product meetup was like once a month on Thursdays or something. Right. So from Thursday, from like 7 to 10 p.m., I would go to this meetup and I would just sit with other PMs. And I would just like ask wow. them questions. I would talk to them. I would say like, do you know any openings for new PMs? Right. Yeah. A lot of jobs past the junior level. That's how they get filled. They don't usually get filled on LinkedIn or like, right. you know, any of the other job search portals. Um, most people prefer to fill with somebody that they know or have been referred from. So that means like you need to put yourself in a position where you know someone or can get referred. Right. Your position whatever position it is. That's unfair advice, but it is the advice. Yeah. So put yourself in the room, find the people who are doing the thing that you want to do, or, you know, mini stock your, the person that you're trying to find yeah. <laughs> or something and like literally just go be in the place that they are. Yeah. Which by like, the way, there's no shame in that. Mini stalking, no that's the way to go people. Yeah. yeah. Them LinkedIn stock them slide in those DMS and say like, Hey, I've been watching your company. And I really yeah. love what you're doing with this product. Like, be specific. I love what you're doing with this specific product. Like, let's take like Snap for example, or something. If you wanted to work at Snap, the way I would start would be like, tweet finding the people who work in the department you want to work in at Snap, tweeting them directly or messaging them directly, like on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I saw that your team just pushed out this feature. I love that Snap does blank blank blank. If I were going to improve this feature or the next feature, I just yes. blah blah blah. Yeah. You want to meet for coffee and talk more about this? I can take you out. Right. Okay. So now this person, like it's low, low pressure. You're going to pay for the coffee Yeah. <laughs> to coffee for 20 minutes. And you're going to give them actionable advice on the job that they are doing. Yeah. 
make someone's life easier. That is the easiest way to, to get into the tech field. And when people see that you're a value add, they'll be more than willing to kind of like take a chance on you. So yeah. um, definitely do that. And not to say that there's not lucky breaks involved. I definitely had some lucky breaks. Um, but that would be my my sneaky advice. Love that. And very, very valid advice. I will I'll add one more thing to that. Yeah. One one thing that I found that works really well is I was looking for like big companies that I wanted to reach out to as well. And what I did was that I went, I Googled the like the company's name, for example, like I Googled like Airtable and I pulled any pieces of key information that I saw. So if I saw that Airtable was trying to like boost X product or do Y thing, I'd be like, okay, how can I relate that back to what I'm trying to ask? So I literally messaged like a senior exec at Airtable on LinkedIn, cold message this dude. And I was like, hey, just notice that blah, blah, blah. Here's how I can help. He responded back to me and he was like, wow, that's a great insight. Thank you so much. And now we're connected on LinkedIn and he likes my shit. Like, it's just the wildest, you know? And I was, I was shook. I was like, oh my God, he just responded. <laughs> so yeah, like make it relevant, make, make it, it relevant. relevant to the person. And like not in a spammy way, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like I'm sure the outreach that you had, Benali was like, there were like six, or to 10 like target places that you want oh, to yep. not like you sent the same message to like no it was very personalized yep so yeah. make it relevant make it definitely relevant. love that okay so you're a product manager we love it at iphone women and then what so i feel like we're getting into this next phase where you're applying for you know your mba you get into harvard Tell me a little bit about what influenced your decision. Um, and on top of that, what and when um, your app, Privy, mm -hmm. was born um, and kind of like what led you into getting into Web3, into like blockchain technology? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, new phase next week. Yeah. Um, and for this phase, I will back up a tad again. So, before I got the role as a product manager, I had taken a short three month stint as a business associate in the Techstars program. Okay. And Techstars, for anyone that's listening and, and doesn't know, is um, a like three month accelerator program that helps startups, early stage startups, um, get their products off the ground and raise venture capital. And it's a worldwide program. They have 80 million like different, different right. accelerators. They run year round. So I participated in one in I guess the end of 2018. Yeah, the end of 2018 that was based in New York um, and that was focused on fintech. And in right. that program, there were a couple of blockchain companies. Right. So I got exposed, I feel like actually, to, to blockchain a couple different times in my life. The first actually, and I wish that I had gotten on the bandwagon earlier, the first time I got exposed to like blockchain tech and Bitcoin specifically was in 2011 when I was in college. And it was because all my friends were buying drugs on Silk <laughs> Now, for anyone who's old like me, you'll remember that Silk Road was like the place where you could buy anything on the yep. web and like it would not be traced and it would be delivered like to your doorstep. You you just unlocked a memory for me when you mentioned Silk Road. So yeah. <laughs> a true memory, fake IDs, like 
stuff. Not saying that I participated because this is being recorded. I didn't I know ordering anything illegal from Silk Road. <laughs> yes, you know, for legal purposes, this is purely a theoretical story. <laughs> purely theoretical. So I theoretically had a few friends that have ordered some drugs using Bitcoin. And I remember them saying like, oh yeah, I just bought this, you know, this like, you know, fake currency type of thing. And then you mm -hmm. can exchange it for drugs and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But like, this sounds like, you know, money laundering, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think I want to be involved in that. So I passed up the opportunity several times to right. buy Bitcoin in 2011. Wow. And it was like a dollar or two. Oh yeah. Extremely cheap then. You were like pre, pre, pre market. Pre, yeah. Very early. Yeah. yeah. Very, very early. So that was all happening. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to participate. So then 2018 comes around. Um, and in 2018, uh, was actually like the first crypto winter. Right. A lot of the cryptocurrencies had started kind of like crashing. Um, but it was becoming clear that like there was a case for using yeah. DeFi, decentralized finance. There were cases for kind of using like a, a stable coin or kind of like a stable currency to do currency transactions or FX transactions, you know, foreign currency transactions and things like that. And maybe that there was a use case there. Um, so a couple of the companies in that Techstars cohort were using blockchain tech right. to power their, their financial products. And I thought it was interesting. You know, I started to learn a little bit more about it, but I'd still kind of decided like, you know what, I'm not sure it's totally right. aligned with what I want to do in the future. Um, Fast forward to like a couple years from that, I remember listening to a podcast. Uh, it was one of my favorite podcasts called Call Your Girlfriend. Um, it was like two best friends that talked to each other. And they were interviewing a renowned victim's rights advocate. Her name is Carrie Goldberg. And she was interviewing uh, people who had taken nude, semi-nude, sensitive photos um and had found that like their photos had been leaked you know right. shared shared without their consent um you know basically revenge porn and i remember at that point definitely not the first time that i heard about revenge porn um you know i'm a, a child of the millennial so so mm -hmm. there yeah. was a lot of like sexting and revenge porn stuff that had, that had been happening for a long time but i just remember listening to that and for some reason it clicked like at that time like wow uh, I feel like blockchain could fix this. Right. Like this is exactly the perfect use case for like, you basically need a record of exchange that proves that like, this is my particular photo. And if you share it without my consent, you're violating my copyright. Like, yep. exactly. Yep. And so clear to me like that, that would be the solution. So I kind of told myself like, mm, let me research this a little bit more. I think it's a cool idea, but let me see if in a couple of years, anybody builds it. Yeah. So now we're in the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pandemic is happening. The world is shutting down and everyone's kind of reevaluating, you know, their life at that. Right. Point. And by this point, I think I'd been at iPhone women almost two years. Right. And I was kind of like, okay, like, what is it that I really want to do with my life? I'm kind of trying to reevaluate. Do I want to be here long-term or do I want to explore doing something else? Right. And this idea that had been in the back of my head was just kind of, you know, so persistent and i kept feeling like i'm a very spiritual person so i kept feeling like i was getting signs like yeah. universe to do this idea yeah and i kept seeing you know like just signs yeah place to to do it so i was like okay i think i'm gonna take the leap i think i'm gonna build this idea 
And when I announced kind of to my friend group, like, I'm gonna build this idea, one of the first questions was like, are you just gonna quit your job or are you going to like, do you need something else like to right. be able to do this? And so I had to weigh an internal decision of like, all right, I work at a startup, so I'm still kind of broke. <laughs> I don't really have, you know, I don't really have, like I'm a great PM, I learned a lot, yeah. of, you know, like I've been producing really great work, but I don't have necessarily like a backup savings or anything to like start this business with or like any legitimacy really like right. the second business with. And I wanted that. So for me, like the natural step to getting that was to go to grad school. Right. Um, and so I applied in the fall of 2020, mm -hmm. fall of 2020 to get into Harvard Business School. And it's the only school I applied to. Oh, shit, you got it? Yeah. Damn, <laughs> Yeah, it's the only school I applied to. Because um, if I'm honest with myself, and I've been doing a lot of reflection lately, um, I had a hard on for Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> there. I did. I had like a thing since I was a child, like that I wanted to go to Harvard and I tried to get in an undergrad and I didn't get in and it was like devastating right. to go for grad school really did kind of feel like it was a manifestation that kind of like had come full circle. Oh, I love that. Yeah. 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 So I decided to go and my goal was like during this time, I'm going to build this startup and that's yeah. what I'm going to do. Um, so I, I dug pretty deep into kind of like learning about blockchain, Web3 really being um, in and around the conversation on the culture of Web3, which right. I think is extremely important to understand. Um, and then bringing my own perspective to like where the technology could be most useful. Um, and again, my advice for anyone getting into like a new sector, I always start the same way, which is like, I'm gonna dive deep on the technical portion of this. Right. I'm gonna be in the room with the yeah. people who are talking about blockchain and web three. And if I have to force myself into every single event roundtable and be there <laughs> and just be basically unignorable, like yeah. you're going to be able to ignore me in this space because here I am once again. Yeah. You know, um, that was kind of my strategy. And that's how I got super deep into it. Wow. So knowing that how like that's a tip that you would give others is to really just like deep dive into let's just say i know a lot of people that are trying to figure out web three you know all of the all the intricacies and really trying to like get in yeah. um so knowing that you know your kind of tip is to be in the room yeah. really immerse yourself like just learn 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 soak 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 and talk to other people yeah so like when I think about Web3, Web3 to me is really about the ownership economy. Yeah. And ways that you are handing back control of many things, content, control of digital rights, control of your data, control of your um, creative rights, control of legal rights, like all sorts of things. Web3 is about control right. um, to the user who's actually like putting forth, um, you know, the effort or putting forth the value here, returning yeah. control to them. Um, that's to me what Web3 is really like about. And I think a lot of the things you're seeing in the ecosystem, everything from kind of like NFTs to DAOs to, um, gosh, like just 
plain old DeFi to like right. no currency. There are so many different things that are happening in the ecosystem, but Web3 is a large umbrella, right? right? And it will pick up a lot of different things. Like we are all going to be in a Web3 world. Right. Um, so the advice that I have or like goal I have or, or advice that I have for anyone who's trying to get in would be like, find the thing that is that was interesting to you in Web2 and like find the Web3 applicable use case for it. Right. It's really about like shifting your mindset and focus to like, okay, in the Web2 place, we had one centralized like company or body that owns all this stuff and is convincing users to give up stuff to use the platform, right? right. Making money off the user. Like that basically has the, been the old model yeah, way that we've used a lot of technology. And for the most part, it's kind of been detrimental to a lot of users. Right. Um, and I just don't think that that's a model that's going to be self-sustaining for a very long time. So it's important from that perspective to think about where you fit in into Web3. Right. How can you decentralize the power structure? And it might not all happen at once, but how do you decentralize a power structure of a company and pass the tools back to the people and create a structure and kind of like a system of reciprocity where the user gets actual um say conversation right. you know control over the things that they are participating in on the internet right and so to me like that's all what web3 is is about okay. do you have any do you have any specific like communities or websites or anything that you would recommend anyone who's listening to like maybe they yeah. want it to get in that they yeah. could just like start definitely okay so i feel like the web3 thing can be like intimidating yeah it sounds like much more complicated <laughs> than it is it sounds way more more complicated than it is but it's really not right complicated. um oh okay so i have like different different points for different things anytime i'm starting something new i like to take a course okay yes love a good course yeah i'm nerdy like that and course. <laughs> we love it so i always i like start off by signing up for a course on like coursera or something mm -hmm. not like an endorsement i'm not being paid to yeah. but um i love coursera because you get like a fully sought yeah. like course and then you get a certificate for it right it's not that expensive to take you can take them for free but you can also like pay to get the certificate so I find that like taking a formal course on like what is this thing and how right. to use it is a great way right jump into a new topic and then you get like a certificate that kind of says like yeah an expert on it so, like <laughs> you know and you can always leverage that in the future so I would say like start there do find some some type of course to take right. second find a community of people to participate in. I recommend if you can finding an in real life community, an IRL community yeah. there where you can sit with other people and just ask them questions. Right. Um, preferably a community that isn't uh, like pretentious and weird. Yeah. <laughs> a community of people who are like really interested in sharing knowledge. And yeah. I think like that's why I still like find Meetup to be a wonderful place. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk about community in the web three space. And now all of a sudden everybody has a community. Yeah. Like, I, I think like some people are a little bit confused about what community is. Community is not just, I put people in a discord together. Yeah. It's not a community. Yeah. I don't know. Agreed. Crossed. Yeah. But that's yeah. not a community. A community is like people who share value with each other 
and who actually like show up for each other to give and to take. Yeah. And if those things aren't happening, then it's not a community. It's just like a forum of people talking. Yep. So I would highly recommend like go on old fashioned meetup, find some people in your local okay. area who would love to just like have a chat, you know? And I, I've done that several, several times in my different career shifts. Um, the third thing I would say is um, use uh, social media to your advantage to ask a question. Asking a question um, or making a request is one of the best ways to get engagement on something on social. Rather than giving a piece of advice, just ask a question. You'll have no idea how many people respond to things like that. Um, and for Web3 specifically, Twitter is like the best place to do that. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Web3 Twitter is like... Uh, that's like a, yeah, I was on Web3 Twitter for a slight minute and I was like, oh my God, there's so much happening on here. There's so much happening all of the time. But like, I think, for example, I put out a tweet the other day that was like, I would like to be connected to like people leading the conversation on Web3 consumer culture. Yeah. Who should I talk to? And literally I got a bunch of tags like this person, this person, this person, this person, this person, right? And like, I'm not famous on Twitter. I have like 400 followers, like nobody <laughs> follows me. So like, so you don't need to be like, you know, Twitter famous to right. get engagement. I just hashtagged it. Like I think like women in web three and there's an auto bot that retweets oh. for women in web three. There's also an auto bot that retweets tweets for women in tech. Right. So like if you hashtag any of those things, you'll, you're more likely to get your tweet like recirculated and then people will engage. Right? I had no idea. That's a really good point. Yeah, oh, just wow. ask a question. If you're like, I would like to speak to blah, blah, blah. Who knows this person? Or like, can someone comment like on where to find this? Right. And people will be really helpful. We'll be like, yeah, of course. Like you can check here. You can, you can do this thing. Um, and so that's been like a really, really useful resource yeah. as well. Um, and, you know, being, connecting with people in your affinity group has also been like incredible. Like, for a lot of the complaint that I hear sometimes about the web three world or even about tech in general is like, it's super male dominated, you know, like I don't find the people who look like me or it's really hard to, you know, be taken seriously in yeah. these rooms, et cetera, et cetera. And I have to say like, I have filled my timeline personally in my network with incredible women in tech and women in web three for NFT NYC week, I went to only women-led or non-binary-led right. events. Love um, that. Very intentional too. Very intentionally. Like I was like, yeah. I'm not going to any like yeah. you know, white men events. I'm going to only yeah. like women-led or LGBTQ-led or non-binary-led events. Yeah. And it was incredible. Like the communities that were there, the types of rooms that were there, they weren't, um, you know, they weren't gatekeeping. They were extremely, right. extremely welcoming. Everyone was just having a fantastic conversation about culture and teaching. And it was really, really fantastic. So that's kind of what I recommend. Love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I, I'm like trying to figure out which, which of these amazing tips you just get to like call out specifically. And just so everyone knows who's listening, I'm going to be putting all of these tips also um, like in, in a separate PDF 
for anyone you know who didn't catch it or maybe seeing it visually is a little bit easier to really um kind of like get and soak all that in so that will be happening as well but that those were just a couple of really amazing uh tips especially about the autobot i'm like so shook about that honestly um did not know. Things. i know things. i actually i should i should hashtag things i don't know why i don't and like that's a really you might look like a like a dork like i feel like, like a dork when i hashtag on twitter because like no one does it anymore especially if you're like twitter famous like you don't yeah. but like i'm not twitter famous so like i gotta hashtag it and i do hashtag it and i have no shame in my hashtag game girl i have 60 followers so yeah i'm gonna need a resort to hashtagging to get anywhere here um, <laughs> um okay great that was amazing to hear and super super informational um one more rapid fire question for you before i <laughs> let you go um in general right i i see you as being a really big leader in tech i see you as being you know a breakout leader in web3 um and i think it's really important to highlight um just everything that we've talked about today and everything, you know, all the tips and amazing tips that you've given and informational and kind of what you've been through and everything that you've done and kind of how it's led to led you to the certain point. What is one kind of final um, call out or um, tip that you can give to other people who, um, who are like, who identify as, you know, BIPOC in the workforce, in the workplace? What tip do you give them that really if someone's like oh hey you know I really want to be a leader in my industry I really want to be a leader in my field maybe it's like um finance tech whatever it may be is there one tip that you really found that stuck out to you that's like led you to this point that you can share yeah um oh my god just one <laughs> is it just one or two just one or two girl I I know we have like we we could go on for oh days. my god just one uh i guess i would boil my one tip down to be in the room mm. just be in the room yeah. be in the room and then to make your ask yes yeah just ask. ask yeah just ask like you, never know. you really never know yeah you never know and, so, and then I would add, make the ask again and again, if you need to. Yes, again, yeah. you're right. No, 100%. Yeah. Make the yeah. ask again. <laughs> like, just to like, one last anecdote. Oh, my gosh. I was in a meeting the other day, and this guy was telling me basically, like, oh, I, you know, I, I love your, I was asking him for his advice and feedback and stuff. And he was like, well, I love your business. You know, I love what you guys are doing, blah, blah, blah. Like, just let me know how I can help. And I said, well, you can invest. <laughs> 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 right. like, yeah. Yeah. Well, there is one way. So there's Very big way. way that you can help. I, you know, you asked me. And I asked, <laughs> I answered, you can invest. That is how you can help. Yes. <laughs> Make your ask. I was, I was, you know, half joking, but you know, I think. I he, mean, you never know. I think he took the hint where I was, <laughs> you know, you say you love the business, then like, show it, invest. <laughs> so, um, definitely, definitely do that. Yeah. Amazing. Um, thank you so much for coming, being here, spending your time, effort, and energy um, for this episode. Really, really appreciate you. Um, 
for those who are listening, like I said, I'll have everything linked on a PDF. You'll have all the good stuff, all the good information and links that were mentioned here today. Um, Maya, is there any, do you want to share any of your socials? Do you want to share any way that our listeners could like potentially follow you, get in touch with you, or just know a little bit more about you? Oh my gosh. Well, first, like, thank you so much, Manali, for having me on. I am like super geeked for everything that you're doing and I cannot wait watching and, and seeing where you're going. Um, anyone who would like love to follow me, I'm pretty easy to find on the socials. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Maya Talks Tech. That's again, Maya Talks Tech on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn at Maya Brooks. Yay. Okay, perfect. And I'll have those linked um, below as well. Um, all right, guys, until next time, I'll see you later. Bye.